The Buddha once said that hatred will never be cured by hatred, but that hatred will be cured through love alone. Loving kindness is a quality that is crucial to the well-being of our planet, our communities, our relationships, and ourselves. It is not, I feel, a quality that is a luxury. Rather, it is essential, perhaps not only for our well-being, but our very survival. Loving-kindness is the greatest of the human arts. It is the culture of the heart. It is really so simple. And yet, in its very simplicity, it brings with it tremendous integrity and dignity to our lives, to our relationships with others. It brings with it also immense power. It is said that there is no barrier or no obstacle strong enough that it cannot be overcome to the power of loving-kindness. Loving-kindness brings power to, of course, our embodiment of it. That it saturates and fills us to the extent that our very thoughts, words and actions are an expression of a quality of heart that is filled with goodwill. That it can touch the world around us and change the world around us. It can also touch and change ourselves. There is no one in the world, no living being, that is exempt from the need for loving kindness. Simply because there is no living being in the world that is exempt from pain from fear, from suffering. In moments of suffering and moments of sorrow in our own lives, moments where there might be, where we might be encountering death or loss, separation or loneliness, it is not prescriptions and formulas and good advice that we find ourselves yearning for. Instead, in those moments, what often deeply touches us and heals us is the loving support and presence of another person. In the conflict and the pain that exists in our world, it is not more philosophies or systems or beliefs or even more technology or money that is needed. What is really needed is that each one of us knows how to touch each other and to touch the world around us with loving kindness. That each one of us knows how to live in a spirit of (coughs) service and impeccability where we extend a deep sense of respect and care for the life around us and the life within us. When we think of our own life, we know what it feels like to be filled with anger, to be filled with hatred, (coughs) excuse me, to be filled with resentment. These are the darkest moments and the darkest prisons of our own hearts. In those moments, so often what we all that we see is the shadows in another person 
or the shadows in ourselves. Forgiveness, understanding and compassion, friendliness, often feel to be drowned or to be forgotten by the very power of ill will. If we think of the moments in our own lives and the moments in our own relationships where we feel most deeply bonded and connected with another person, with nature, with ourselves, we are aware of the care and the generosity and the compassion that springs from that connection. If we think of the moments in our own lives when we think feel to think in pain or hurt and rejection. We really know what it means to feel and receive the love and care and support of another person. We also know those moments in our lives when we have felt able to offer that care and support to another person's pain. What happens in those moments of connectedness is that barriers and that walls dissolve. Dissolve. We do feel a profound sense of interconnectedness. Our lives and our experiences are really a microcosm of all beings' lives and all beings' experiences, from the smallest creature to the most powerful person. Division and fear and hatred cause only pain and alienation. Care, compassion, and loving kindness cause only healing and connectedness. To cut into the veils of our own personal stories and our own personal dramas, we really do come to know the pain and the sorrow of others. We also come to know the path of healing. I think we all need to stay in touch with and to be able to acknowledge our own interconnectedness and interdependence so that we can live in a sacred way, so that we can live in a way in which our every word, our every thought and action is an expression of friendliness and respect. Loving-kindness meditation is an appeal to the heart. In many ways, all of meditation is learning how to listen to our hearts, an invitation to reconnect again and again with what is truly fundamental to our well-being, our freedom, and our own peace, to know that this we share with all beings, an invitation to nurture and nourish and develop the impeccability, the happiness, the peace that really matters to us. To answer this appeal, to learn to listen to our own hearts, is the most direct way of connecting us with the hearts of all beings, of all life. Out of this listening comes response. Out of this listening comes wise and compassionate action. Out of this listening, we come to know our path. We come to know our guide. 
It shows us the way to live, the way to relate, the way to care. Listening to, to our hearts does show us that impeccability and compassion and loving kindness must guide our lives in a way that our whole life experience is an expression of profound respect and appreciation for the preciousness of life. There is nothing that is inconsequential. Every word, every thought, every action makes a difference, creates ripples in the world. Ripples of loving kindness and connectedness or ripples of alienation. In listening to our own hearts, I feel we're able to reconcile the question of how is it possible to reconcile a life of service and responsible action with a meditative life of non-attachment, of of emptiness, of letting go. There often seems such a distance between those two. It is often a puzzle to us. How does that whole emphasis in meditation on emptiness and letting go, how does that manifest in a life really of care and respect? I think as we listen inwardly, we really begin to see that there is no contradiction. Non-attachment brings selflessness. It brings a fullness of love which doesn't make any demands, which expects no returns, and which has no investment in results. Understanding the emptiness of self allows us to dissolve the barriers and the walls between self and other. What we see when those walls begin to dissolve is that the person we see before us is really no other than ourselves in a different form. Letting go is understanding that enables us to step out of the chains that are really forged through harboring resentment and anger and division. And the organic response, that understanding, is a boundless compassion, a boundless loving kindness, a boundless care. It seems that no other response is possible. Boundless loving kindness, I think it sometimes seems like an incredibly idealistic idea. Sometimes it seems really impossible. It seems so far removed, maybe, from who we are and from what the nature of our lives actually is. It seems hard to imagine a quality of loving kindness which extends itself in all ways to all people, which is unexclusive, which is impartial, which embraces everything. What we do in this practice is really to question that impossibility, to question that idealism, to see that this practice is not about creating great ideals. It's not about achieving 
admirable goals or attainments. It's not about annihilating anything. It is really very simply learning how to connect with the natural radiance and goodness of our own heart. To understand a friendliness, a quality of friendliness, it really makes no distinctions between friend and enemy, between ally and adversary, between worthy and unworthy, between high and low, or known or unknown. All of those distinctions so much born to our reactions, our images, our conditioning, our holding. To understand how to let go of that is really to seek only to foster the well-being and the care of all life. Loving kindness is labeled, it described as being a spiritual love. Often what it be, the example it is likened to is the love that a mother will have for her only child. That is what is likened to, that selfless affection, a quality of care and protection, a quality of protecting in every way the life before us. I think initially, when we hear the words loving-kindness, or boundless loving-kindness, Perhaps those words tend to really bounce off the opinions and the resistances of our logical mind because we can think of all kinds of reasons why loving kindness is most likely impossible, or at least boundless loving kindness, why it's most likely impossible. And we can probably think of all kinds of reasons, maybe why it's even undesirable. I think when we hear the you know, major words like boundless, impartial, you know, total, wholehearted. I think what our minds tend to come up with is this word, but. But. But what about my issues and my problems that I have to sort out first? After I've sorted them out, then perhaps I can begin to understand boundless loving kindness. We think, but. But what about all those people in the world who are maybe oppressors or who actually promote injustice? They don't need or deserve loving kindness. They need stopping. We think, but what about that person I dislike? You know, one person in my life that I really can't stand for, it seems, probably very justified reasons. We might think, well, they have to change first, or I have to be assured in some way that if I extend loving kindness towards them, they're going to change in return. We want to make sure they're going, they need to change before they deserve loving kindness. It's like a, it's a story of a, of a farmer who went to Zen monastery because he'd heard about all the merit that you gained from practicing loving-kindness, and he'd heard this list of 22 advantages I read out to you last night, and it sounded like a good thing. He went, and he said, you know, really, and they went to the abbot, and he said, I'd really like to learn this loving-kindness. And the abbot said, are you prepared to extend this loving-kindness to all beings? And the father said, well, it's pretty well. There's just one 
This is one neighbor I have who's always after my fields, always harassing my cows, always trying to do me in. He said, isn't it possible that I can do it? Practice loving kindness for the benefit of all beings except him. It's not possible. We can't make these exceptions. It's not possible to be conditional. How do we make those compartments in our heart? How do we make those compartments? That yes, you are worthy, but you are not. On what basis do we make those compartments? We might come up with but about thinking, well, I need loving kindness. Never mind about extending it. I really feel that I actually need loving kindness. We might feel that loving kindness is going to lead to some sort of passivity. And that through loving kindness, the pain and sorrow in the world is just going to continue. Now this practice does not ask us to suppress or to bypass these objections. What it does ask of us is actually to have faith in the power of our own loving-kindness and the power of our own hearts, to trust that these questions actually will be answered. What this practice actually asks for us, of us is simply to see what difference loving-kindness can actually make in our lives, to learn from that, to trust in that to connect again and again with what actually we wish our pathways to be in this life. What do we wish our pathway to actually be? Do we really need to travel the pathway of pain and alienation? Do we wish to travel the pathway of healing and connectedness? And where does that pathway begin? Where does that pathway begin except right now with who we are? with where we are. Loving-kindness is not necessarily a result of great spiritual effort. It may not be necessary that we have to go out and change the way that we live our lives, although this may need to be considered. It's not a formula or a prescription or something that lies in the future. To practice loving-kindness, we don't have to go out and emulate Mother Teresa or some other saint we admire. This may or may not be our path. But one thing that is very certain is that our path begins where we are. Not in becoming saintly, but instead of looking at the many opportunities that our lives and our hearts bring us right now for extending loving-kindness, for letting go of hatred, for transforming the moment that we're in. Remembering the point of this practice is to dissolve hatred, to dissolve alienation, to connect and nurture our own possibilities for goodwill and for loving-kindness. There is nowhere else we can do that but where we are right now in our lives, within who we are. This is not an easy practice and much is asked for of us in developing loving-kindness, in sustaining a connection with an open heart. In many ways, this practice challenges us, challenges our most deeply held 
patterns of conditioning and patterns of reaction that lead us to disconnect and that lead us to close down. In many ways, this practice challenges our patterns of judgment, of indifference, of self-centeredness. We see in this practice our patterns of jealousy, of fear, of defensiveness, of resentment and ill will. And we encounter those patterns in this practice, as you've experienced today, how often the very intention to cultivate loving-kindness will bring up a whole range of other feelings, often very unexpectedly. Encountering the patterns of judgment or alienation or anger sometimes seems just to create more waves of judgment. I think sometimes we feel despair or we feel it is really impossible to change. And then that often treats our own conditioning, our own patterns of reaction as enemies to be overcome. But then don't we just create more reactions? This is how I should be. This is what I should become. This is what I should be like. And every should, of course, is another nail in our own, in, in our own coffin of self-negation and self-rejection. It is important to appreciate that the meeting with these patterns and the meeting with these areas of conditioning, this is the compost for the growth of loving-kindness. Loving-kindness is learning to embrace the whole world unconditionally, and that includes the unpleasant, the difficult, and the challenging. Our own encounters, our inner encounters, with our patterns of resistance, they are grist for learning new ways of opening, new ways of relating, new dimensions of accepting, new dimensions of forgiveness and compassion. These encounters with the difficult, they are the soil in which we plant the seeds of friendliness, the seeds of goodwill and warmth. And those encounters of the difficult and the challenging are our doorways out of the prison of hatred, of negation, of alienation. They are invitation and they are our vehicle. They are the only times when we have the possibility of transformation. Not in the ideal world, not in the world of fantasy or imagination. They are our opportunities for transformation. The story of the of the English gardener and his dandelions. In this English gardener who felt passionately about his lawns, many English gardeners do, you know, and took so much care in creating this perfect lawn, you know, cultivating the ground, leveling it and smoothing it and sowing the grass seeds and patiently watching the seeds sprout and come up into this wonderful green lawn was beginning to appear perfect except for the dandelions that came up. And this poor gardener tore his hair in frustration, fell into despair, raged against the dandelions, to get out, digging them up, you know, burning them, doing everything to have this perfect lawn. And finally, you know, finally even wrote to the 
the National Lawn Growers Association or something, you know. What do I do about these dandelions? I've tried everything. Nothing works. And the answer came back and said, Sir, I suggest you learn to love them. What is possible for us in our encounters with the difficult, the challenging, and the, and the unpleasant? This is an important question. We always ask ourselves, what is possible in this moment? Not to accept that we must always follow these same old pathways of resentment or judgment or alienation, and pass as awareness as what is possible. We're never going to have a perfect life, a perfect world, a perfect mind, a perfect body, a perfect personality, <laughs> perfect relationships. This is not our life. Our life is one which includes the difficult as well as the joyful. What is possible for us in our encounters with the difficult, the unpleasant, the annoying? What qualities are we called upon to develop in order for us to live really in the spirit of loving-kindness. One of the qualities is forgiveness. Forgiveness is the basis of beginning anew in our relationships, our relationships with ourselves and our relationships with others. It is forgiveness is crucial to loving-kindness and to understanding. We may have been hurt, been rejected, been judged by another. It is hard to forgive. We may find ourselves condemning the actions and words of another person and really creating images of who they are in which we essentially cast them out of our hearts. We may even find ourselves wanting to hurt another person in response to ways that we have been hurt. We may ourselves have done or said things that we feel regret for, that we feel remorse over or feel ashamed of. Gandhi once said that an eye for an eye is a terrible way to blind the world. In resentment and a lack of forgiveness, we harden our hearts, we hold on to what is past. And in hardening our hearts and holding on to what is past, we are unable to begin anew. We are unable to see freshly. And that inability to begin anew is what in itself denies understanding and denies the possibility of change. Unable or unwilling to cultivate forgiveness is a very direct way of following the pathway of alienation through holding. That pathway of alienation is ended only through open-heartedness and forgiveness. It opens us up to possibilities rather than conclusions. In a lack of forgiveness, we have only conclusions in forgiveness, we have possibilities. Forgiveness, I feel, is linked to humility. 
It is so easy to condemn. And sometimes it seems there is so much in the world that should be condemned. It is easy to feel righteous and to feel superior in the face of the unskillfulness in others or in the face of ignorance. We see things many times that we condemn, that we feel real aversion to. We see pictures of inner soldiers firing bullets at unarmed people. We see pictures of of animals being hunted or tortured by people. We see we go into a into a, a street in many of our towns and we, we see a mother hitting her child or shouting at her child. And it is so easy for us to say, This is not me. I would never do something like that. You know, this is totally beyond me. It's so easy to condemn. If our lives were different, if we grew up and lived in, in the past or in the present, in an environment of violence, people don't always have choices. If we grew up in an environment in which we were denied love, sensitivity and care, people don't always have choices. Who would we be right now in our lives? Where would we be in our lives? How would we be acting in our lives? If our lives were different, in different circumstances, different time, different place, can we not imagine that there are many things that would not be beyond us? This is not to condone, but it is to understand Anything another person says or does could be said or done by us in another time or place. Almost anything that we have said or done or felt before has been felt by others before us. It is easy to highlight and isolate the imperfections, not understanding their causes and their constructions. And yet in doing that, we so easily lose faith. We lose faith in the goodness and the possibilities of other people. At times we lose faith in our own goodness and our own sense of possibility. I doubt if any of us feel that our journey is actually over. We have not stopped learning. We have not stopped growing. There may be many doors that we yet have to go through in learning. There may be many knots that we have yet to untangle. And really, it is only faith, no matter how faint that faith is, but to have faith in our own possibilities, our own possibilities for compassion, our possibilities for love, our possibilities for understanding. That is the faith that actually inspires us to continue in our own journey. That is the faith that brings humility to understand that our journey may be in a different form than the journey of another person, but they have their own journey to make. And all that we can actually offer is as a gift to another person, or the least of the gifts that we can extend to another person, is some element of faith in their possibility for understanding, in their possibility for growing, 
for deepening and opening. The Zen story group of young young students in a monastery, all very well behaved, all doing very well, very ethical, you know, acting as young Zen students should, except for one who kept stealing and stealing the money of the other students. And they caught him and they reported it to the master and they said, look, what's this guy doing here? You know, this is, a, this is the place where we come to train in ethics, where we come to pursue higher understanding, and he's stealing. He should go. No, 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 no. Let him be. Let him be. And the students went back. A little time more passed, and again they caught this person stealing again. Now, outraged, they drew up a petition and went to the master and said, Look, either he goes, or we go. And then the master said, well, that's fine. You obviously know the difference between right and wrong. You don't even need to be here. But who would teach this poor fellow if not me? In this world, we are not asked to judge. We are asked to understand. Judgment is easier. Understanding is more difficult. But there has never been an element of compassion that has come out of judgment. And again, we make choices of the pathways that we wish to follow. Acceptance is linked to humility and forgiveness. Now, acceptance is not passive. Acceptance is not disempowering. Acceptance is the basis of change. Alienation and division causes nothing but pain and rejection of ourselves and others. Acceptance is not being deceived by images, not isolating any aspect, any detail of another person, of ourselves. We too have acted out of anger and fear and used our words and our thoughts as weapons. And later we regret it, don't we? We yearn for understanding We yearn for another person to understand that this is not what we wish for. This is not who we wish to be. We yearn for others to understand this. This is felt by all beings. All of us in our lives stumble. All of us in our lives falter. All of us in our lives have moments when we are overwhelmed by reactions, overwhelmed by conditioning. These moments aren't strangers to us. Nor are they strangers to anybody else. This is what acceptance is really all about. Allowing ourselves to stumble and beginning again. Allowing another person to stumble and to begin again. To have the open-heartedness and the understanding. To see beyond the superficial. To allow that beginning anew in ourselves to not close our hearts to anyone or to anything. To do this, to close our hearts, ends the possibility of change. To open our hearts begins the possibility of change. Forgiveness and humility, acceptance, are all ingredients of loving kindness. They all lead to a deeper sense of interconnectedness, 
they all lead to a breaking down of barriers and divisions and an end of alienation. They all lead to a great sense of appreciation, appreciating our interconnectedness, appreciating the falseness of separation and all the prejudice that goes with it, appreciating that interconnectedness. What we see is that respect and the dignity really begins to flower in our lives. Respect for who we are, respect for who we seek to be, and to be able to extend respect in exactly the same spirit to others. Dignity comes through living with a sincerity of direction, protecting beings from harm, enhancing the well-being of life. Impeccability is part of this path. Impeccability is an inner commitment and an inner dedication to understanding, to warmth, to openness. It's a dedication that we are called upon to renew again and again. path of impeccability is a path of commitment to wisdom and to honesty. To meet every encounter in our lives with honesty. Every time we sit, every time we walk, when we encounter holding, anger, division, to bring that quality of honesty. Wisdom is unflinching honesty, not avoidance, not denial. Seeing that sorrow is not something that is just out there, in the starving, the old, the sick, or the homeless, the sorrow and its causes also lies within us, but we have the opportunity for letting go. Sorrow lies in our own fears and prejudices, and we have the opportunity for letting go. How we let go, how we open, these are the essential questions in deepening in loving-kindness. Questions that we apply to ourselves. Questions that we apply to every moment in our lives. To see the possibility of transformation. Because this is what it is all about. It is about transformation. Through understanding. Through calmness. Through letting go. Seeing that judgment is actually transformed by acceptance and allowing that hatred is actually tempered by forgiveness, that greed is tempered by giving, that jealousy is softened by appreciation, that holding is dissolved by opening. Our lives are an invitation to explore this transformation. Our every moment, our every walking, our every sitting, our every meeting, our every encounter is an opportunity to explore this transformation not through striving, not through willpower, not through resolution but instead through meeting each moment in the spirit of loving-kindness, of metta. Metta is described as a noble life 
because it is alive and it's there which directly contributes to the end of suffering, which directly contributes to the development and the deepening of warmth, forgiveness, compassion and understanding. It's a practice. It's also the spirit of living. What we have in this retreat is an invitation to explore those opportunities in a wholehearted way, not to cultivate ambitiousness or willpower, but to simply explore what our own possibilities are, what are our possibilities for love, what are our possibilities for letting go, what are our possibilities for compassion. And I think we begin to see that perhaps this whole invitation to boundless loving-kindness is perhaps not so impossible, is perhaps not so idealistic, but perhaps really it is all about our relationship to now, our relationship to this moment, to each other and to ourselves. May all beings live with friendliness. May all beings live with compassion. May all beings live with an open heart. We have just one minute quietly together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.